Greetings in Christ's name. Uh, Psalms 95, I believe it says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. I trust that we have come that way this morning uh, with thanksgiving in our hearts to a God that gives us so much. And I trust our attitude is that of thanksgiving. Some of you may have expected to have Calvin Horst here this morning, and it'd been nice if he could have been here. Uh, but uh, been a number of trades happened, and uh, he had come to me a couple weeks ago and said that he noticed I was to be in Caswell this morning and wondered if we could make a trade that he would like to go to Caswell sometime. And so uh, worked out well because our family was together this weekend. And so we were able to be here this morning. I would like to continue this morning the theme of Thanksgiving. Uh, hasn't been that far away. And last Sunday, our focus was more on communion. We had communion here. However, I did appreciate how Dan brought in last Sunday the theme of Thanksgiving as well, as he brought out how Christ gave thanks before he uh, shared the emblems with the disciples. And also Wednesday night, uh, those of you that were here, we thought about Thanksgiving as Brother Ivan led our, our evening discussion, and I appreciated what he shared. And so I'd like to continue a theme this morning on Thanksgiving. And so I've entitled the message, The Attitude of Gratitude. One time in a public meeting a few weeks after Thanksgiving, the moderator asked the audience, how many days since Thanksgiving? And one man quickly responded, none. I think he was right, because I think every day should be a day of Thanksgiving for the Christian. I think it was mentioned Wednesday night, uh, there's a church sign up 501 North. Some of you may have seen this up around the Millstone Church area up where Robert and Harvey uh, are planning to live. Up in that area there's a church sign that says Thanksgiving is not a day, it is a lifestyle. Again, I think a very true statement. Someone else has said that there are two kinds of people, those who take things for granted and those who take things with gratitude. So this morning, what's an example of gratitude or the difference between gratitude and ingratitude? And here's just a couple simple examples of how people look at things differently some with gratitude and some otherwise. If two boys gather grapes, one is happy because he found grapes, the other is unhappy because they have seeds. When it rains, one man says, this will make things muddy. Another says, this will help settle the dust. Two women see a bush, one sees it, has roses and finds 
it's full of fragrance. The other sees it has thorns and may even get pricked by them. So how do we see things this morning? Do we mostly see the negative or do we see the blessings? I believe the Christian should be the most thankful person on earth. We have many natural blessings, but more importantly, we have all the spiritual blessings. 2 Peter 1, I want to read two verses there. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4, he says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and he says he's given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world through lust. It's a, a real picture of salvation that you and I have as Christians. There's a song recently I heard that talked about that, how that we're given all things that we need for each day. And so we should be grateful for our salvation. And it should be natural, I believe, to begin and to end each day with giving thanks to God. I trust that's many or all of our experiences. That we begin the day and end the day with thanks to God. Someone has said praise and thanksgiving are the key of the morning that unlocks the door to a good day. The same key seals the night for peaceful rest and sleep. And as we pray, I trust that we come to God with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6 says, we are to pray with thanksgiving when we bring our requests to God. And so as we pray, I trust that our prayers, our requests are sprinkled with thanksgiving. And then we have two verses that are often used at a time of thanksgiving. And maybe verses that people often discuss and wonder about. Ephesians 5.20 says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. And probably all of us would say this morning, that uh, that's easier said than done. But the Bible says in Psalms 37:23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Romans 8:28, all things work together for good to them that love God. And we just read that we're to give thanks for all things. And so as you put those all together, our steps are ordered of the Lord and all things work together for good then does it not behoove us to have a thankful attitude and spirit for all things? Knowing that God is working for our good 
and that he is in control. So how do we have an attitude of gratitude in and for all things? I'd like for us to set a foundation this morning for gratitude. I believe that we must see God as sovereign and as all-knowing. And then we need to trust him. If we don't see God this way and we lack faith, I believe we're going to be a person that's not very thankful. And so there's many scriptures that talk about God being sovereign and all-knowing, and I just will recite a few of these. 1 John 3 and verse 20 says that God knows all things. Matthew 10, 29 and 30, God knows when the sparrow falls. It also says the hairs of our head are numbered. Of course, it doesn't take as long to count some as others. And so God, he knows all about us. He knows everything about us. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, it says there that God knows things from ancient times and times that are not yet done. So God knows the past, he knows the future. And I invite you to turn to Psalms 139. I'd like to read a few verses here. Psalms 139, we know this passage is very familiar. But this passage helps us to see that God knows us in and out. I'll read the first 18 verses. Psalms 139. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsetting and mine uprising. Thou knowest, thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whether shall I go from the Spirit, from thy Spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the, earth, of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, 
which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. A passage that helps us to see that God knows all about us. He knows our thoughts. We cannot hide from God. We can't get away from God. It says there, anywhere we go, God is there. He knew us before we were born. And verse 17, he has precious thoughts about us. In the New Testament, Acts 1 and verse 24, this was during the time they were choosing a replacement for Judas. It says there that God knows the hearts of all men. And just a few examples that you can probably remember, and that is in the New Testament, different times when Jesus came to different groups of people or audiences, he knew their thoughts. He knew what they were thinking when he was in their midst. You remember the story of the woman at the well? He knew her past life. And the story of Lazarus, uh, when he died, Jesus knew that Lazarus had died and he was 25 miles away. So I trust with this background, we can see that God knows all about us. He knows everything that we do. He knows everything we go through. He knows everything that happens to us. And I believe everything that, has happened, that happens to us, uh, either he allows or he approves. He knows us and he knows what we need. He knows what we can stand and what we can go through. And so that helps me to see that, yes, in all things, I can be thankful because God knows what is best for me. In life, we must keep our eyes on the Creator, not on the things, the problems, the difficulties around us. I don't know about you, but some of the most inspiring people that I've known are those that have been through tremendous difficulties and maybe even sufferings and sorrows, and yet uh, you would never know it because they're such grateful people and they don't talk about their problems. They're just grateful people, full of gratitude for, for God's blessings and his presence in their life and with them as they went through their difficult times. And I believe that's one of the keys to, to having an attitude of gratitude regardless of our lot in life is because we concentrate on God and his blessings and not on our problems.
Now I'd like to look at a couple verses in Romans 1. <clears throat> and here we have some scripture that talks about what happens to a person that has ingratitude that is not thankful. Romans 1, I want to read verses 20 and 21. Romans 1, 20 and 21. For the in <clears throat> invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Now we could go on and read the rest of that chapter, and it tells us more about what happens to a person that, as it says, they know God, or they knew God, but they do not glorify Him, and they're not thankful. But I'd like to read the comments from Brother Irvin Hershberger on this passage. Um, some of you probably knew him, but he was a teacher and a principal at Calvary Bible School for many years, and uh, a man that lived a life of gratitude. And he had a motto in his life, at least one of his mottos was that he would rather wear out than rust out. And uh, that's exactly what he did. I'm not sure of his age, it was probably he was 80, 90 years old, uh, I think he had a heart attack, but he was running a vacuum cleaner in his church during a church work day, and that's how he passed away. But he did a lot of writing, and so he has some comments on this passage here in Romans 1 about a person that, uh, the fate of a person that is unthankful, and I'd like to read what he said. He says, observe the fate of a people who were unthankful. They did not glorify God. They became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. They became fools, changed God's glory to an image, like to corruptible man, like birds, like four-footed beasts, like creeping things, changed God's truth into a lie. Then they worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. Consequently, God also gave them up to uncleanness. Next, he gave them up into vile <clears throat> affections. And finally, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. One by one, he removed the safeguarding stops in accordance with their determined choices and left them have their own way. Their own choosing plunged them into a cesspool of blasphemous sins worthy of death, of which 22 are listed. Their downward plunge began with two failures that go hand in hand. They knew God, but glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Two sins of omission speedily led into 22 sins of commission ending in eternal perdition. We need to check our level of gratitude repeatedly and clean house of any attitudes and activities that do not glorify God. 
A healthy level of gratitude toward God always overflows with praise. God does not provide dipsticks to measure our thankfulness. If we are not overflowing with praise to God, we need a refill, maybe a transfusion. Therefore, rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. From Psalms 33.1. And so, this morning, are we struggling with unthankfulness or ingratitude? Jesus says in John 7:37, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. I believe if we uh, need more thankfulness in our heart, we can come to Christ, to God, pray to him about it, and I believe he will fill our hearts. In fact, the next verse talks about the rivers of living water. Christ provides all we need if we allow him to fill our lives to overflowing. And there's a verse in Hebrews 13, 15. It says, By him, Christ, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Says the sacrifice of praise to God continually. I believe that's giving indication of a full heart, uh, spilling over with praise to God, and that would lend itself to overflowing praise for our God. If we receive blessings and benefits, and never give forth praise and thanksgiving, we become like a pond that is like the Dead Sea. Most of us, I think, know a little bit about the Dead Sea, but the Dead Sea lies at the bottom of the deepest break or fault of the Earth's crust. It's approximately 1,200 feet below the level of the Mediterranean Sea. And... The uh, encyclopedia would tell us that it receives about 6 million tons of fresh water daily. But its waters are thick and polluted and salty. Nothing can grow in it, and it's dead because it has no overflow. You see, it's always receiving, but it's never giving out. And I guess it would give out some by evaporation, but it's not near as much as as what's coming in. And so, let's relate that to us. We have many material and spiritual blessings that we we receive daily. And these blessings we cannot measure by tons. So just to name a few, the list could go on and on, but we have air to breathe, we have light to see, we have work to do, we have a mind to think, we have Bibles to read, we have Jesus to save us, the Holy Spirit to enable us, and God's sovereignty to protect us. 
and the list could go on. But this should cause us to overflow with praise and thanksgiving for the many blessings that we receive and that we have. So when we have difficulties or a certain lot in life or discouragements, Satan would want us to get our eyes off of the Creator God from whom our blessings flow, and he would like for us to concentrate on our problems. You see, we're still receiving blessings from God in many ways, but our life has no overflow of thanks and praise, and we can become stagnant. As I thought of that, I thought about experience we had as a family. I think it was back in the early 90s. Uh, but our family was involved in three automobile accidents in 11 months. And as I thought back, I, I remembered that uh, after the third accident, I was becoming somewhat discouraged. You know, you almost get paranoid, like, okay, when's the next one going to happen? And, you know, how bad will that one be? Anyway, I, I remember feeling that way, but then sometime around then I was reading in Romans, and I came to this passage that we looked at earlier. And I remember reading that and realized that, you know, my, my eyes were not on the Creator. They were on the situations and the problems. And so I began to praise God for the blessings I did have, until it was all over, I was praising God for my salvation and for the unspeakable gift that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 9. And in 2 Corinthians there, in, in chapter 9, verse 11 says, Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which calls us through us thanksgiving to God. We're enriched. It says in everything to all bountifulness. And so as we think of our blessings, regardless of our circumstances, it should cause us to come forth with thanksgiving to God. And then that verse 15, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. And so I think the key from that passage is simply this, that if we're thanking God for his unspeakable gift, our focus is on God, it's not on us. So if we focus on God, it causes us to be thankful and grateful. If we focus on ourselves, we generally feel sorry for ourselves and we think we need more and whatever, but if we think a focus on God, it causes us to be grateful. I'd like to read a couple thoughts from a writer that wrote uh, a number of years ago in the Beside the Still Waters. He said this in relation to Thanksgiving, the canning shelves are full and the crops have been harvested and are in the grain bin. Whether you've had a banner year or crop failure, whether everyone is enjoying good health 
or there's an empty seat at the table, we must still humbly acknowledge the goodness and faithfulness of God. He has met our needs and helped us through the tough times. Or is your day just another day of complaining? The pie crust was burnt. Uncle George's are late again as usual. I just wish one time we could have mashed potatoes that aren't cold and stiff. Cattle prices are down again, another bummer. Someone has said, if you want gratitude, the only place you can find it is in the dictionary. We live in an ungrateful society, but the scripture reminds us, when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. That comes from Deuteronomy 8, verse 10. As I was thinking of this subject, I thought of an example that's meant a lot to me. And so I'd like to present an example of gratitude from my mother. I don't know, probably a lot of you don't know this, but my parents as a young couple lost a young child in a farm, farm accident. Uh, little Richard, I think, was five years old. And of course, this was before I was born, so I don't remember it, but as, as I grew up and grew older, I learned bits and pieces about the situation and what happened, but I never heard a negative comment from my parents about it, never. I also learned as I grew up who was driving the tractor when the accident happened. And it was a hired hand, it was a farm worker. And I also knew him. But again, never, I never heard uh, my parents talk in a negative way about that man, never. So that's just, just a little background. And then we can fast forward. And this is fast forward to my mother's last months. Her last three months she was living with us uh, and she could no longer walk. But she never complained and she always said thank you when we moved her from a chair to another chair or to her bed. And later, after she passed, I found this uh, quote in her Bible, little quote in her own handwriting. It's by Wanda Long. I don't know who that was, but Mother had quoted, had written it down as a quote. And she, this is what it said. Being thankful helps us over life's hills and mountains, it makes our loads lighter and our sorrows brighter. I think that was the motto of her life. And then her last 
day, her last words were words of thanks. Fifteen hours before she passed away, she said two things to those of us who were standing around her bed. The first one was, thank you for caring for me. And a few minutes later, she said, thank you, Jesus. And that was her last spoken words. What an attitude of gratitude. And so this morning, is it our, <clears throat> is it our circumstances that determine our gratitude? I think that's a fair question to ask. Is our circumstances, is that what determines our gratitude? I'd like to read some words here from Paul Mishler. He said this, What kind of people would we be if we never had any trouble? It is the heavy loads that build hard muscles in heart and body. Tough times make calluses that may someday save our hands from bleeding. So often trouble is only a part of the painful growing process. Knowing this to be true, thanking God always for all things includes this dimension of thanksgiving for that which at the moment is not making us happy. Let the words of Geraldine Shearfus challenge us. She wrote this, does a neighbor help a little as along the way you go? Help to make your burden lighter, then why not tell him so? Does a hand clasp seem to lift you from the depth of grief and woe? When an old friend shares your sorrow, then why not tell him so? Does your Heavenly Father give you many blessings here below? Then on bended knee before him, frankly, gladly, tell him so. I'd like for us to think about the words of a song that was written by August Storm in the 1890s. He was a man that his life and this song uh, gives the thought of being grateful for all things. He worked for the Salvation Army, and of course they reach out to the poor and the troubled, and he probably saw much pain and sorrow, but he probably also saw much joy and pleasure as different people came to know Christ as their Savior. And this is a song he wrote. Thanks to God for my Redeemer. Thanks for all thou dost provide. Thanks for times now but a memory. Thanks for Jesus by my side. Thanks for pleasant, balmy springtime. Thanks for dark and dreary fall. Thanks for tears by now forgotten. Thanks for peace within my soul. Thanks for prayers that thou hast answered. Thanks for what thou dost deny. Thanks for storms that I have weathered. Thanks for all thou dost supply. Thanks for pain and thanks for pleasure. Thanks for comfort in despair. Thanks for grace that none can measure. Thanks for love beyond compare. 
Thanks for roses by the wayside. Thanks for thorns their stems contain. Thanks for home and thanks for fireside. Thanks for hope that's that sweet refrain. Thanks for joy and thanks for sorrow. Thanks for heavenly peace with thee. Thanks for hope in the tomorrow. Thanks through all eternity. Now, eight years after he wrote that song, this August storm had a back problem that left him crippled the rest of his life. But history would tell us that he continued to work and he had a thankful heart and spirit. And those that knew him said it almost seemed that his troubles gave more power and credibility to his sermons and to his writings. And I'd like to close with a story about Cory Ten Boom and the Fleas. Some of you probably have heard this story. If not, it's good to read. Most of you know who Cory Ten Boom was, and uh, this is the short version. But uh, her and her sister Betsy were placed in a, a prisoner's work camp, and it was in Barracks 28. Of course, it was crowded conditions. It had wooden platforms with dirty straw on which they were to sleep on. And when they were ushered into that room, a lot of them at one time, and Corey sat down on her platform where she was to sleep and probably no other place to sit. But as she sat down, immediately she felt something attacked her and she said, she cried out, fleas. And her attitude was, how can we ever make it in here? And Betsy, her sister, remembered the verse that they had read from their Bible that morning. And so she reminded her that, do you remember the verse that we read this morning? And so Corey got her hidden Bible from the string around her neck, that's how she hit her Bible. She had a string around her neck and the Bible hung down her back under her clothes. So she retrieved her Bible and she read 1 Thessalonians 5.16, In everything give thanks. And so Corey said, How can I be thankful for fleas? But anyway, Betsy and her together decided, well, they can at least be thankful for the blessings they do have. And so they thanked the Lord that they were still together. Her and her sister were still together. Often they divided up family members. They were still together. And another blessing is that as they were searched, the guards did not find her Bible. And so they, had, they still had blessings. Well, they worked 11-hour days under very poor conditions, but before bedtime, Corey and Betsy would read their Bible and also read it to the other women. At first, they posted lookouts to make sure that the guards were not coming before they read their Bible. And in, in their setting, if you had a Bible, the punishment was death. 
So day after day, as they lived in Barrack 28, no guards came. And so, I guess, in a setting like that, if no guards are coming, you begin to get bolder. And so soon they were reading their Bible twice a day, and more and more women were coming and sitting around listening to the scripture. And still, no guards bothered them. And so one day, Betsy told Corey, she said, I know why the guards don't come here. And she said, how do you know? And she said, well, I overheard the guards talking, and they said, we're not going to Barrack 28 because of the fleas. So Corey said, all right, Lord, thank you for the fleas. So do we see this morning God's sovereignty? Uh, he has a purpose for all things. Psalms 92, verse 1, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. I'll close with a few comments from an article by Brother Lloyd Hartzler, another man that lived a life of gratitude. And this is what he said. Thankfulness lifts our hearts above the doubts, tensions, circumstances, and what-ifs of life. Someone has declared that life is 10% circumstances and 90% attitudes. Thankfulness clears the air for proper attitudes. How big is our God? How great is our faith? The Christian life is more than occasional. The life of thanksgiving is more than occasional. And a life of thankfulness is a mighty weapon in the battle of life. As we leave this place this morning, let's be challenged, not just last Thursday or this week, but let's be challenged this coming year to have and to live a life that has an attitude of gratitude. May we have a song.